Welcome to the podcast, Epic Youth, Cultivating Entrepreneurial Changemakers, where we provide ideas and tactics that teachers, youth development professionals, and parents can use today to cultivate tomorrow's entrepreneurial changemakers. I'm Dr. Beth Goldstein, and I'm the Senior Director for Academic Strategy at Babson College's Youth Impact Lab, where we work with experts around the world who are helping youth increase their agency, confidence, and resiliency by strengthening their entrepreneurial mindsets. Today, my guest is Jody Woodruff. Jody is the director of the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship at the Metropolitan Regional Career and Technical Education, MET, in Providence, Rhode Island. She spearheaded MET's entrepreneurship programs, including building the nation's first freestanding entrepreneurship center for a public high school. Um, and she is not only an amazing woman, but a friend and colleague of mine. So, Jody, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Beth. Thanks for having me. Excellent. I'm so excited that you're here. I, let's start with just explaining what the Met does and the work that you're doing there, because it is very innovative, especially for a public school. Yeah, and that's a, that's a that's a great question. And could take about 10 years. I've been here 20. But in a nutshell, the Met is truly uh, a place of real world learning for high school students. So our students come in, um, they do internships twice a week as their high school curriculum, as, and all internships revolve around a project that they're going to do that's kind of a give back to their mentor at the site, as well as a learning opportunity for them. So the Met truly is a personalized individual curriculum-based school where every advisor has 15 students, 15 different curriculums for each student through learning goals, which relate to and transcribe to content areas. And also that student stays with the teacher all four years of high school as their coach, their, their guide, their generalist. In my position, I run the Entrepreneurship Center, as you said, and we run programs through E101, which is the mindset that you referred to. So an 18-hour program with all ninth grade students coming in to really think about how do I look at this as an opportunity? How do I problem solve? How do I stand up and talk to a group of people? How do I collaborate with my peers? And we do that through a lot of hands-on activities. E360 is a program where you come in based on your skills, your knowledge, your access, maybe your interests, and you figure out what is it that you would want to do as a business. And we take that and we build on that. So if students write a business plan and at the end of that 90 hour course, they present that plan to private investors. Again, being a public school, we're not going to take the taxpayers money to have them start a business, but we do have a great network now of local entrepreneurs, national entrepreneurs that come in as our judges and help to fund these programs. E-Ventures is where you went through E360. You want to continue your business. Maybe you got funded to continue your business. Maybe you didn't. Or you just have a new idea that you want to start. And that becomes your internship that you can do twice a week as your school day. E-League, that's our final program if you're a senior and you've been through all our programs, where you can now have your own interns and be a mentor of up to three underclassmen. And you meet with that advisor and talk about what the project is and what the student can learn through that program. So how do students get into the MET? 
right? Is there a selection process? Because that's such a unique offering for them. Yes. So the Met is a public school. So it's based on a lottery because those students stay with their teacher all four years. We only really have openings for ninth grade. So there's 120 students per grade. And we have six small schools in Providence that they're dispersed to. So we have 120 people that can come in. We typically have five to 600 applications a year. So it has to be a lottery to get students in. And then if there's openings, someone moves or they decide to leave the school, then we can fill those openings with the, what we, we have a wait list for that. So it's purely random. Students yep. don't apply and then they go through a lottery. Right. So our application process, interesting enough, you apply. Your, every student that applies is interviewed by our school. Just to say, all right, you applied. Here's what it really means. You know, uh, parents have to sign that they'll come to an exhibition every nine weeks, every quarter. Our students don't have grades. Our students don't have tests except the state tests because we're public. So the parents have to show up to that exhibition and students tell us what they've learned over those nine weeks. Uh, They tell their peers, their principal, their advisor, their teacher, and their parents. And then it's open to feedback, critique, and questions after that. It's about a 45-minute process. So students come in in ninth grade typically. And again, if there's openings, they can come in. Not only are they interviewed when they come in, once they're accepted, we interview them again to say, okay, now you're in. Let's talk about what that means and then moves forward from there. So it's quite a process on our end. Um, instead of just saying, oh, here's the lottery, here's your acceptance letter, we really want to engage those students from the beginning and the families. It's very important to engage the families. And if a family isn't available or it's a single mom or, you know, there's a lot to do when you're 82% poverty school where people just aren't available for so many reasons, including just their own environment, uh, then we'll find an adult to come in and kind of mentor and be that student's Uh, main adult during those exhibitions over the next four years. Well, let's talk about something that you, you noted. There are no grades. Are there no grades for all classes or just the entrepreneurship track? No, the Met in general doesn't have grades. So the advisor writes a a two to three page narrative on that student, highlighting the quarter, things that they've done great. And then what are those gaps and things they want to work on? And then an individual learning plan is set up for each student. So if you're at all familiar with special education, which is my background, every student has an IEP, individual education program. We believe every student, not just those special ed students, should have an individual education program based on their skills, their knowledge, and their gaps, and what they can work on, what they're challenged with. So every student gets a new IEP at the end of each quarter, and they sit, the teacher sits with that parent after that exhibition to work out what's next. That's impressive because I agree with you. Every student should have one, but even in private schools, that doesn't happen. So to hear mm-hmm. that's happening in a public school um, yeah. is quite impressive. So do most kids go on to college? Is it the same as a typical public school, better, worse? Yeah, so... Our students, those narratives translate into a transcript for colleges that need that uh, when they're, you know, going to graduate in the 12th grade, start applying for colleges. Um, Our statistics show 94% of our students go on to college. 
Wow. 87% graduate. So the every so everybody takes this entrepreneurship track, right? It's built into all ninth grade at our school go through that 18-hour program. And then E360, where you're going to come in and write that business plan, learn the concepts, learn the theory behind it, lots of hands-on activities to connect the dots to what you're doing and how it can apply. Um, that's by application. So typically, last year I had 123 ap- applications. I take two classes of 18. So I only take 36 students a year to get through that program. Um, and then at the end, you just get that you know mix of students. Usually, eight to 10 are ready to really present to a private investor by then and try Excellent. to get some seed money. That makes sense. And since I was at the competition last spring, I I was blown away by the projects these students were working on and how far they had come along. Um, Definitely at college level, even more sophisticated in some ways than even some of the college pitches. So so you're doing good work. You're obviously getting them on track. Thanks. So let's let's talk about entrepreneurship um, in general. So when you think, when I think of an entrepreneur, it means one thing to me. What does it mean to you? And you know, do you? Th- how do you think that influences what's going on at Met? Sure. So, I usually say to people, like, I don't think I teach entrepreneurship. I hope by the end of the day, I teach ownership. And not everyone's going to go out and start their own business. But I really believe when they leave the program and that mindset you talked about, um, really understanding pricing sometimes and what people are paying compared to what they could be paying just across the street. A lot of those things, if you teach ownership, students are going to own their own feelings. They're going to be more responsible, more accountable to themselves, more accountable to other people, I believe. Uh, So to me, entrepreneurship is really ownership. And um, that's what I hope I teach to these high school students. And not that some of them aren't very successful you know, I've got 17 students that are now over the age of 25 that are still running businesses. They started here in their program, making a living. It's all they do. It's enough to live on. Uh, four of them have employees, so they're helping other people make a living. Um, and that's great. I mean, that's like the bonus to me. That's not the real work. The real work is just that mindset and truly knowing what it takes. Because if you're going to work for someone else and now you know you tried to start a business in high school and all the obstacles you came up with, I think there's just a higher level of respect for what you do and what other people do. Yeah, I completely agree with you. When you said ownership, I thought you were, first I thought, oh, business ownership, is that what you're referring to? But really, you know, I think more around resiliency and agency and that true. Yeah. And this population, you know, when you say to the Met entrepreneurship, what does it mean here at the Met? The Met itself, just, you know, describing this innovative way of education. I think my boss is one of the most incredible social entrepreneurs there are. Um, not that he owns the Met. It's a state-run agency. But again, when you're thinking about how you can help others and um, build something, that's, 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 that's incredible. And then you give uh, the demographic of the Met and being in a title, you know, Title I school, um, it's these students, they're just so uniquely qualified to be entrepreneurs. Uh, they're hustlers. So if you can infuse the business piece of that, you know, they don't get to go hire a coach when they want to learn more about basketball or baseball 
Like they got to go out and just play more basketball and more baseball. So I just really feel like I'm truly, truly privileged to work with this population given the work that I do. Because I don't want to say it's easy. Simple is not easy, but it makes it a lot more simple because they get it. They They really get it. it. And it's more rewarding because they're really motivated. They they know they need to own it. Nobody's going to give them the answers. Yeah. And within that, what they don't have and start seeing is, well, they don't, I see it way faster than they do, but all of a sudden, like they feel better about themselves. They're looking people in the eye. They stand up and shake someone's hand when they walk in the room. And those are all things they just don't know. Like my favorite classes, I take all the chairs out of the room and I put snacks and drinks on the table and they come in. Is this for us? Absolutely. And then 10 strangers walk in and I say, all right, everybody's got to get a business card from every person that just walked in. Well, how do you navigate that when your hands are full? There's no table to put something on. You've got to talk. You've got to actually ask someone for a business card, which even as an adult can be intimidating. So we put them in those situations long before we introduce them to real world concepts of going to chamber commerce prefaces, networking events, um, and different things in the community, as well as getting visitors here in the building. So they have an idea of, you know, how to respond to people. I I love that. Having taught freshmen in college, many of them did not ever have that experience where they, it was real world. They had to learn how to have a dialogue. uh, How to shake someone's hand. Right. I shake their hand every day they come in. So five days a week, I shake 36 hands (laughs) every day. I love it. I, that's great. And but th- those are important skills that mm-hmm. you want to have them develop early and develop that confidence. Like, oh, okay, yeah. I know how to talk to somebody because that's how I'm going to learn the answers to the questions I have. Yeah. So what do you think what's been the greatest challenge for you teaching? Oh, that's a great question. Um teaching like directly with students. When you know, and again, like this is not my trade. I was a marketing director for 14 years before I decided to go into education and I'm pretty direct. So my biggest challenge is knowing that I've got to take things in small steps. Like I want to be able to say, yeah, that's what I said. Go do it. They don't know how to do it. (laughs) Yeah. I gave you two examples. You should know by now. So just really scaffolding that information and that material Um, and again, based on the Mets model, taking every student, one student at a time. So navigating that you're in a place where you're already out vending at local events and you're just coming up with an idea and working with every range in between can be challenging. Absolutely. I can see that and rewarding once you get it. Cause I, I have the same experience, but you know, I've explained the project to you, but what is not clear? And sometimes it's it's the fear of getting started or mm-hmm. I'm saying the words, but they don't mean the same thing to these students without experience. Right. Yeah. And I'm pretty fortunate here. We've got a bunch of uh, crickets. So uh, vinyl cutting machines that can do heat press and stickers. So I'll just we'll just come up with something, even if they don't have an idea. And it doesn't have to do anything with the sticker or heat press that can go on apparel, but we'll come up with something. And then I'll whisper in eventures. Those are the students actually 
doing their business now, which is on the other side of my building, I'll run over there and say, hey, make me a T-shirt that says, you know, landscaping, you know, green is best. And then within an hour, that kid has something in his hand that makes it a little more real, like, oh, I can do this. It wasn't such a stupid idea. It was okay that I said that out loud. Um, So just really, again, trying to make things as real as possible until they can get there. I love it. Getting them in motion, right? Yep. Excellent. So do you think the the MET model could exist elsewhere and does it for public schools? Because I know private schools do things like this, but not all. Yeah, I love that question. And um, I, I not only believe the MET model can work elsewhere, it does. Um, we have, I believe now it's just under 100 schools. I want to say 85, but I haven't looked in the last year. We have 85 schools in the country that are based on the MET, public schools. And we have what's called TYBO, T-Y-B-O. So the year before opening, we hire at least the principal. They go out, they meet with the community, they find a spot. When they find a spot, they try to survey and talk to anyone within two blocks of that school, which is exactly what we did here before we built. Um, And they really get ready. They recruit kids, families. Um, and then they start. So I want to say we have 85 schools in the country. We have about 120 schools now outside of the country. Uh, the country, the Netherlands, uh, wants their whole country to be based on the MET model, which is through our nonprofit called the Big Picture Learning Company that goes out and helps start these schools. So I've been over there, oh, a handful of times in the last 21 years. And every time I go, it's a different set of 40 teachers that we're training on the MET model. And then they send that same cohort of teachers here in the fall to really be immersed in the culture, the day-to-day, talk with teachers on the ground, talk to students on the ground that are doing this work. So that's impressive. Why do do people not know about this, right? (laughs) We always say we're the best-kept secret out there. Uh, I think there's just a lot of different models, and people are different. People have different ways of wanting to educate and parents have different ways they want to see their students educated. Um, it seems a little out there uh, to send a student to a school that doesn't have grades or tests, I think. So again, our application pool is pretty big for Providence. I don't know what it is around the country, um, but we it, it is a model out there and I'm not sure who knows or who doesn't know. Interesting. So. Is it is it a charter school and people can then buy the yeah. buy So we are not a charter school. Ah, okay. um, people think we're a charter school because I think we operate a lot like a charter school. Uh, but we are a public school. We're our own school district. And uh, we just spend our money very differently. We get the same amount of money that the other school down the street gets, but we spend it very differently. So let's say I'm a, a teacher. This is my final question. This is sure. a- so insightful. I'm a teacher at a public school and I want to integrate this, not start a school, but I want to integrate this. What would I do? What 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 are the small steps I could do as an educator to create this this uh, methodology and pedagogy you've got going that is clearly working? Sure. So one, we do that as well as the big picture company. So there are schools that have 
uh, part of their school under the big picture learning concepts under that education model. Uh, if I was a teacher and I heard about this, and again, I do train teachers across the country through the just the entrepreneurship program itself, I would certainly look at that student as an individual, which isn't always an easy thing to do for a traditional teacher. You're teaching to a class. And, you know, just try to look at each student you have and, you know, where they're at and what they need and give them some buy-in. Give them a little skin in the game. If you're going to read, maybe they get to read a book that they're interested in. Um, if they're interested in flying an airplane, maybe they get credit for a half a day to go shadow over at the airport. Uh, if that's not something the school's allowing or can happen, then maybe they read on, you know, they get online and interview a pilot. Those things are, I think, in today's world, pretty easy to do. Uh, when I first started the entrepreneurship program, I didn't know. I got online and it was right when colleges were doing their entrepreneurship centers. But there was nothing for high schools and there was a little bit with middle schools. So I just started you know, plug and play in here and there. And I came across an interview, four minute interview with a guy named Jamie Simonoff. And it was everything I knew I probably needed to teach to make this class what it was. And so I, in today's world, right, I Googled them. I got an email address. I emailed them and said, hey, just saw this four minute interview. Totally connects to everything I think I should be doing in this next year with this new program. If you're ever on the East Coast, would you mind talking to my students? So bring in guest speakers, bring in experts, or get them online at least for those students to really hear that it is happening. They're not crazy to have the ideas they have. Uh, they can definitely learn more through that process. They can ask questions. What were your steps, you know, when you knew you wanted to do this? How did you get your job? Uh, what, what were you like in high school? Like, you know, for that student that thinks they just suck. Oh, I was a terrible student, but this I knew I wanted to do this. I think it's really a good motivator uh, for the students. And then back to Jamie Simonoff, he said, I'm never on the East Coast too much anymore, but I'll come out and talk to your kids. Well, he's been coming every year. That was 20 years ago. And within the last 20 years, this guy started Ring, the doorbell that you buzz and you get to see people at your door. He was on Shark Tank. He didn't he's fund a him. Grad. He's a Babson grad. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't get funded on Shark Tank. What a great opportunity to talk to kids about resilience and keep going. You might not have a Jamie Simonoff, but I also have the guy right across the street that owns the corner store where kids go every day and spend crazy amount of money. He comes in and does a half hour, you know, yeah. speakers on our speaker series. So I think, you know, if you're a teacher out there, there's a lot you can do within your own classroom just by getting kids connected to something in the real world that just might spark them a little more, motivate them a little more, or for that motivated student, learn what are the next steps. I love that. And that is a great way to, to sort of wrap up because it is about getting that spark going. And, and an entrepreneur could be your mother, your father, your next door neighbor, and talking to them, learning about their experiences and seeing yourself in one of them is, is a great way to get students excited. Thank you so much for joining us today. I very much appreciate it. Such a fascinating conversation. I wish you and the school and the whole program so much luck. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Beth. Thanks for having me again. Peace. Thank you for listening to the podcast, Epic Youth, 
Cultivating Entrepreneurial Change Makers. We appreciate today's experts for sharing their insight. I'm Beth Goldstein, and I hope that you've learned some new ideas and tactics that you can use to increase the agency, entrepreneurial mindset, and resiliency of the youth that you work with.